Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast for spiritual seekers and lurkers, the respectfully curious and the pursuers of their passion, hosted by Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan. And I wish I was more organized because I should have this email up. We got an email, you guys. We got an email, and it's very exciting for us because we like to hear from people. So we get it. Let's just like talk for that for a second. Like, I don't know if people realize how much we love when we get like, and we share it with each other when we get an Insta story message or like any feedback. We love so much, so much. So it's true. Like the, basically I joked, like I wrote, I responded to this person and I joked, I was like, Hey, it's nice to not only hear from listeners. It's just nice to know we have listeners. So like, cause I think that, you know, cause we have these conversations with ourselves and we record them, but there's, you don't visually see your audience. So it's really easy to just kind of pretend they're not there slash not acknowledge that they're there. Um, so this is what the email said. Um, hello, beautiful ladies. I have just started listening to your podcast and I'm loving it and all of your opinions and views. I still haven't gotten through all the episodes yet, but I'm working on it. I would love to hear your thoughts and views on self-sabotage. Why is it as humans, when we know the right things to do to get a certain goal or vision that we do the opposite. And then because we feel crappy about the fact that we did the wrong thing, then we do it more thinking that we're soothing ourselves. I was going to go on about my issues, but I won't bore you with that. I would love to hear what you all have to say about it. And if you have any tips, tricks, so to speak on how a person can improve themselves, me drowning in my own sabotage. Well, thanks so much for, for the message. And then I responded back. So I'm just going to speak to what I, what I actually said directly back, um, to her. Um, because to me, it's like, um, I don't know. Okay. This is my opinion on self-sabotage little trademark Tanya Ryan moment here. Okay. Uh, my views do not speak to the views and uh, <laughs> reflect the views of this podcast. This is a personal opinion. I don't actually really wholeheartedly believe in self-sabotage. I think it's actually like a term that we came up with to shame slash guilt, which I, as a general rule, I'm trying to just step out of. Um, like I don't want to have shame and guilt be a part of my life anymore. I think that those are human weapons, not spiritual tools. So I feel like the term self-sabotage is kind of just this way to make us feel bad about ourselves. I don't actually think it has a constructive, um, a constructive outlet of sorts. Again, I'll listen to you ladies and what you have to say to contrast that, but this is just my thoughts. So, um, instead I have made more inquiry into like, what, like, what is the mechanism or what's the human behavior or what, like, why would you do that? Like, why would you, if you know, okay, like this is such a cheesy goal, but like, you know, you want to lose weight, you know, the things to do that would be to, you know, eat more vegetables and, and go to the gym. And then you repeat not eating vegetables, not going to the gym and maybe eating things that are not healthy and you would refer to that as self-sabotage I would actually inquire about your brain <laughs> so there is a um there as humans we're always looking for a hit of dopamine and so we tend to make choices that are going to lead us to the quickest most effective way to get that dopamine hit and so oftentimes um like say you're working on something you've got a deadline to procrastinate is actually going to be a form of a dopamine hit like to to put it off you actually get to um reject the stress you might feel from doing that assignment to reject maybe like the work or the effort or things 
things that come along with that, those are not feeling like good things. Your body and brain are looking for feel good things. So you're going to procrastinate because that in that moment feels like the best thing. So going against your goals is actually not really like you're not actually trying to self-sabotage. You're more just trying to find what's going to make you feel good in the moment, which is literally your human nature because you're trying to constantly find a reward. And then another aspect that um, I kind of like weigh in on is there is a part of your brain called your reticular activating system. We've talked about it before, RAS. It's a part of your brain that controls your bias. So your brain is constantly looking for ways to affirm what it already believes. So, and this is cool because this is a book um, that I'm, I'm not really through yet, but I, I'm kind of, I'm liking how it's kind of unfolding so far, but it's called how to do the work. Um, but basically, um, sorry, it's like a how to, but she talks kind of like how to retrain. <laughs> Look at Jen's got the book in front of her. I just finished it. And, and Mel just finished it. We're all on the same page here again. Um, but anyway, she talks about ways that you can like retrain or override that automatic system. So if you're trying to do something new, like say you're going to go to the gym every day and you've never gone to the gym every day, your brain is basically designed slash programmed slash biased to believe that you can't go to the gym every day because you've never done it. So when you take on small tasks, like in this book, they talks about drinking a glass of water every day, what you're proving to your brain when you do that and you just drink a glass of water every day at the same time in the morning when you wake up is that you can commit to something. So then when you go to take on a bigger goal, your brain is like, oh yeah, I guess I did commit to that other thing. So I can probably commit to this new thing. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I just talked. Like, really it's long. belief in self and it's building the small steps because sometimes we like try to do these like really astronomical changes. Like if we stay on the weight loss analogy, because I do really love that analogy with it we don't believe we'll wake up tomorrow 20 pounds lighter. So like, then what steps actually are required to do that? Drinking the water, eating the vegetables, all of these things. I'm going to add like a, a not, it's going to sound not nice. So if this next statement triggers you, please just hear me out for a second. This is a trademark Jen opinion. <laughs> and it's not, I don't know how to phrase it. That's not going to sound like super not nice, actually. It's serving you in some way to play the victim role. And I Absolutely. That's I lived this in my own life. And so there's yeah. no judgment on anybody in that space. So, but it is serving you in some capacity to continue to be the victim in that situation. And I do agree with what you said about the, uh, like the dopamine hit of, we are just like trained for the quick fix. And that is like a societal piece, let alone our brain piece. Like there's so many places that you could go into that conversation, but we are just like quick fixers and it's harder. Like if you think about neural pathways, if you've done something one way over and over and over and over and over, it's uncomfortable to go a different way. Like if I've walked from my car to the front of my house the same way for the last three years, for me to like take a different path into my house would be really like a conscious decision I would have to make all of the time. Okay, and another caveman philosophy on that, because I'm I'm learning lots about child psychology right now, because I have a, a little person. Um, and they talk about 
certain psychological reasons for your your toddler having a, a meltdown and basically what they have learned as like a survive and we can like i just feel like you could either use this as a metaphor or a literal like a literal application to human beings but that child will have a meltdown when you bring in something new because it's different and their only perspective is i have survived at this point because things are the way they are so if you change something in my environment i might not survive so it's it's them kind of having this like little crisis going oh my god you gave me a new bed but what if i die like it kind of thing like and so it that's how that manifests and i feel like that's something we can definitely carry forward into our subconscious ad, like in adulthood just like we have our overactive nervous system fight or flight response um i feel like that can be something too is that you might bringing in something new might actually make you feel inherently unsafe so if you're yeah. feeling inherently unsafe are you gonna do it no exactly it totally does like that's what it, when i'm working with people about money <laughs> That's what it comes down to is why don't you feel safe with money? Well, let's get clear on what's happened in your life or in your grandparents' life or your parents' life. What has been generationally brought forward to do with money? It's the exact same thing it's, it, as like we don't view any change is deemed unsafe inside of our body and inside of our brain. And so when we're trying to make a change, we have to be clear on that we're safe like we have to like remind ourselves like it's safe to do this you we have to create a gym oh sorry yeah oh, oh, Mel. can i speak to why we do it for a bit and then we don't anymore is levels of consciousness so um sad guru who's one of my favorites because he's also hilarious despite being super wise he um, has talked about how when humans are trying to build habits, that we are actually not capitalizing on the full extent of our humanness. And part of us being human is that we have the ability to choose consciousness. And when we choose consciousness that activates our, our learning brain is that we aren't operating from our body memory. We are operating from present moment choice. And so in present moment choice, if you are deciding to go to the gym, despite scary as fuck that might be, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. The mind is excited because it's learning. And then the, when the sabotage or comfort zone, as I like to come call it, is comfort zone, when I call it that, it means discomfort zone. It's what you're trying to get away from, but it's what you know, it's what's familiar. So when you're learning and you're going to the gym, it's exciting for the first one week or two. And and you can get there every day and then all of a sudden you just stop going it's that you've dipped back into your subconscious programming you've dipped back into your habits so anytime we give the brain something new to learn which tanya will love <laughs> anytime we give the brain something new to learn it activates consciousness and so what we really need to do is just to become conscious of our choices every single day. Why am I choosing this? How does this serve me? Become really intentional about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And part of that too is like Tanya and I um, had our, uh, another episode. You might find it before this. You might find it after this. Who knows where you'll find it, but it will show up. Is that some of that is shadow work. That is going into the 
Why do I not believe that I'm worthy of losing 20 pounds? Why is it safer for me to have this 20 pounds weight? And Jen says, how is it serving me? So some of us may have the programming that it's not safe to be seen. And so if we gain weight, we can be like, well, people don't accept me. It's I can safely sit in my house. I can hide away. So there's a lot of wounding that comes in there. But the biggest piece is, is you've lost consciousness. You've lost yeah. consciousness and you've went into your subconscious programming. hundred percent. take. hundred percent. It is subconscious. And I think, um, like there's tension that occurs when we are making that bigger change. Mm. And when, you know, like, so if we stay on the gym, there's tension that starts to like come with it and we get to decide. I look at it as like this big, like I use an elastic all the time. And so like you're pulling back on the elastic when you're making changes. And so you're rewriting pathways within your mind, within your subconscious of what you actually want in your life. And as you're rewriting that, it's there's like, if you want to get into quantum physics around it, like your atoms are actually attached right there together. I'm showing two atoms attached for anybody who can't see me right now. <laughs> and so when you are changing it, that you actually want it to be a different way. And so like, if you're looking at it as like a weight loss piece, they're strong magnets, they're attached. And so there's going to be like restriction for to pull them apart a little bit but they're naturally magnetic. So they're going to naturally go back. So there isn't just like a time frame of like, oh, okay, I've thought this new thought. So now they're not attached anymore. And there isn't like, you know, people will say 21 days or 42 mm -hmm. days or 28 days or whatever that is. Yes, that helps. I'm trying not to pull it into the conversation we were having before. So we're gonna have to do that as another podcast mm -hmm. with the whole thing. Be what happens is that when we are then triggered by something else it reattaches those again so let's say i like really rich decadent chocolate cake so if i haven't had it for like two or three weeks and i've been eating really good and eating really clean but then all of a sudden this chocolate cake is in front of me those atoms come back together on the other side and reattach together of like chocolate cake is good you must eat all of the cake <laughs> do it. You can do it. And the, the, again, you have to pull those atoms back apart into the new belief system that you're trying to have. Okay. I feel, I feel very strongly. I have to, I have to just insert a thing in here because my eating disorder is being like, <laughs> so I would also just because we have used this weight analogy, um, I would also like really like just to extend upon the, um, what Mel said about consciousness is also inquiring why you are pursuing said goal in the first place. So for instance, I had this little like kind of download. It's very passionate. It's very strong opinion about basically, um, the patriarchy has trained us to believe that we are not worthy or acceptable unless we are a certain weight. We are not welcome in the circle of society unless we look a certain way. So just, and I'm really just doing this for self-soothing guys and just anyone else that might also be triggered by weight loss and, and that kind of thing. And I just feel really compelled to speak to it, but I would, you know, go like, if we're taking the chocolate cake example is going like, Hey, did I choose that chocolate cake as like, am I eating it as a punishment? Like really like basically being caught, like, cause I eat cake and I 
like it. Like I, I it's, all the time for the record. All the yeah, time. yeah. Not never have cake any longer. No, no, for sure. And I, I'm not implying that you are saying that, but I just basically want to be like, food isn't the problem, but our relation to to it is. So it's kind of going like, am I eating this cake because I like love this treat and I feel so good about having it and it's something I really enjoy or am I eating this cake because I'm bored or I'm tired or I'm stressed or I'm angry or I'm like basically it's like what am I avoiding and am I is this a conscious action like I it basically just goes down to like what Mel says is like is it what, what yeah why am I making this choice like even because even me going to the gym at one point in time that was a destructive choice for me, because I was punishing myself going to the gym. I was like, Hey, you ate a certain food that I said you couldn't have. I'm going to punish you by going on that treadmill faster than you can go for the amount of calories I've put in your body today. And that is equally as destructive as not going to the gym for the sake of your health. So it's, it's kind of like looking at your behaviors and going, am I working in like, am I parenting myself? Well, do I love myself? Am I making this choice to be supportive to myself? Or am I making this choice to punish myself? And to be perfectly honest, I actually don't feel punishment works in any shape or form. So yes, you can like totally make me eat my words when my kid is like 13 years old. But I think that I don't think punishment is actually an effective tool for like anybody, like any human being. I same with guilt, shame, like all that stuff. I'm like, I don't think it actually really does anything. All it does is it teaches us to hide things, bury things like go away in a little hole. I don't actually think it changes a behavior at an inherent level. So, um, instead it's it's that inquiry and that look like the non-judgmental inquiry where you can look at something and go, what's, what's here. Like, what do I, what am I really looking at here? Is it a worthiness thing? Is it someone told me I couldn't do this and I believed it. And so here I am reinforcing that belief. Like, I really think that all that stuff, like that quote unquote self-sabotage comes down to an internal conversation where what you want and what you believe are not standing in the same lane. Yeah. Yeah. And expanding your consciousness, like training yourself to be in consciousness of more than 5% of your day. So uh, (laughs) if you know anything about consciousness, we are in our subconscious programmed beliefs that were created for us for the majority before we're 12. And so we're on autopilot from a 12 year old, a 12 year old is making our decisions for us if we are not in our conscious state. And so yes, that 12 year old is going to choose cake (laughs) every time that 12 year old is going to choose cake, but it doesn't even have to be food. It can show up as overscheduling. It can show up as um, throwing bombs into relationships. Like anytime someone gets close, maybe you tell someone something bad about them and blow up the relationship because you just can't have a good healthy relationship there's a wiring there that says relationships aren't safe and so we toss bombs into it and just being really intentional about what you're doing every time you're doing it and that's not to say that you have to live a perfect life because two days this week i just was really intentional about 
doing whatever I would call self-sabotage is like, I just needed to shut off. And I knew that it had an end date and I was like, okay, this is okay for now. I can, you know, I'm going to sift through this discomfort because I am one of those people who like to overschedule myself. And so the opposite for me sitting and looking like I'm doing nothing is actually me doing the work. So just yeah. being intentional about what that think of our, our episode about spiritual tacos. Right. Yeah. Spiritual tacos are a very important aspect. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that episode. Yeah. If you hear this one, also check out spiritual tacos. There's some real um, sound wisdom inside of that. Tanya gives it to us in another food variety. <laughs> What's so funny? You thought of the food. I don't even remember the food. Well, other than that, it's tacos, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's really like analogies, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Video games. I loved that. Yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah. So uh, long story short, whatever you want to title it, self-sabotage, comfort zone, going against what you intentionally set out to do, it, it's just your programming. And the only thing you can do to shift that is to start to rewire the subconscious. And we'll also talk about that because I've got a pathway in and Jen's going to interview me on um, the practice of yoga nidra, which I use to rewire my subconscious and live more in consciousness throughout the day. Do you guys have any other tools that you use in working? I use, but I'm going to steal like some of Tanya's here. Tanya will probably say it more eloquently. So I really go with like, is this serving me right now? Or is this serving my future in whatever capacity? The language always looks different. But I do want to people to use that with like, but am I punishing myself as Tanya was saying? Because there's totally two different sides to come from in that. Because I would, back in the day, I'd be like, no, must work out now because it's serving my future self. And now but I'm like, do you, but do is you it? think, Jen, that... There was a, like, that you had to do work to get to the point to be even be able to ask yourself in the moment, which God am I serving or, or which aspect of myself am I serving? Because I think that for a lot of us who are doing the work is that we don't even realize it until after it's done. And then when the shame spiral comes in, it's like, how do we get to the point where we're asking ourselves, is this serving me? Is this, which, which God am I serving or which dragon, which wolf? Ooh. Ooh. There's work to Can you there. just bomb in all, all the words this morning? Yeah. <laughs> God, dragon, wolf. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think about is because I think that can feel defeating if you aren't even quite sure how to check in with your consciousness. How do I even know that I'm doing this in the moment? It's just something that who would have thought me going to, because I, um, well, what I noticed about working out for myself is I'm a competitive being. So if I did boot camps or classes, I went well beyond where I could really physically perform. I leave that gym shaking, blood sugars at an all-time low, cortisol at an all-time high, and I come home and stuff my face in the refrigerator. And I had no clue that me needing to compete at that level was actually where I started to self-sabotage. So I had no idea that that was even happening for years until after. So true. Yeah. I think my like biggest input on that it's not really a how-to which I, I get is frustrating but is to really like a like it's tell a, us tanya tell us the how-to's okay <laughs> i feel like any level of awareness is the first step 
So if you're already going, hey, I identify that I have this quote unquote self-sabotage behavior, then you're identifying, hey, I see myself working against myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is the first step and that alone should be a self-acknowledgement moment where you're like, okay, hey, good for me for noticing. A celebration, like mm-hmm. truly a freaking celebration of awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. And understand that, like we've talked, we've said things like rewiring, reprogramming, like understanding that to d- unwind some of the, the belief systems that we have, especially if they're core beliefs, is going to be a process that's probably lifelong. Me- meaning you will make incremental steps forward and need to celebrate each of those. So if we have this awareness that we have this behavior where we see ourselves working against our goals, that awareness needs to be celebrated. And then there's maybe an inquiry, like any question you can ask yourself after that point is a positive step forward. And whether you do this by like talking aloud to yourself or sitting in a chair and thinking about it or journaling it out with words, whatever your tool is to like give yourself space to take contemplation is going to lead you to a new level of awareness. And I am of the belief, and maybe it's like a little bit like, woo-woo slash like idealistic but I just think that our awareness lands with us when we're prepared for it and we're ready for it and in a timing that is it's perfect it's perfect timing so Mel said she didn't have that awareness for a very long time well it came to her when she needed it or when she was ready for it ready for it I think what I feel with that so yeah it's not a how-to but I'd say like have grace for yourself hold space for yourself and um have forgiveness like um this this psychology sorry i'm on a lot of childhood tiktok right now okay but the psychologist came in he's like okay you were spanked as a child and you turned out fine what's your process for forgiving yourself when you make a mistake uh-huh and it's very it's just understanding that we did come from a generation where certain behaviors were okay from our parents and we have learned to forgive ourselves through a similar method which is sometimes not forgiving ourselves or not allowing space for these certain errors or or faults but understanding that like like look at programs like aa honestly i actually think that uh, that is a program every person in the world should go through it's actually very spiritual (laughs) it is i haven't been through it actually i shouldn't say that i have not looked through the whole thing but every time I hear about one of the steps I'm like oh that is just amazing it's huge and my family's been in it for years and it is very very spiritual yeah yeah all of the things are there for sure and there's so much about like shadow like I'm giving it different words but like there's so much shadow exploration there's accountability and most importantly there's taking everything one day at a time understanding that your limitations of today will be different than your limitations of tomorrow and of yesterday and that success slash progress is not linear so you will have days where go up and you will have days where you go down and holding space for yourself regardless of that experience i think is really where we're going into progress if you will like is is like can i can i love myself when i'm when i'm ugly (laughs) and celebrate yourself when you do love yourself when you're ugly like you know how you were talking about the up and down with that not attaching any meaning to it like still being able to celebrate of like regardless I was aware that I was really up or I was aware that I was really down. And that's still progress to me. Yeah. In the whole path. Um, so 
if you are in the space where I was, where you, you know, unconsciously find yourself um, doing something that was counter to what you were doing before, a really great, op- like seeing it as an opportunity for growth and not shaming yourself of just being like, okay, what can I, what can I find out about myself here? And your greatest study throughout this life, your greatest teaching is going to be you. You are the greatest teacher and um, I will I will love uh, that you become selfish every day. You are selfish if you, if you feel that way, but opportunities for growth exist when we self-examine. So after that happens, asking myself, what story am I telling myself as my head's in the fridge is, um, that I don't have self-control. I can't, you know, like, and, and unwinding that going deeper into it and then asking yourself, when was the first time I felt this way? going all the way back to your childhood. When was the first experience where I felt that way? And that's a wound that needs to be healed there. And that's part of that programming that's coming up and asking you in this moment, in this present moment, I need to be healed. This is what you need to look at. This is the compass where I'm guiding you towards. And so using it as a compass and an opportunity for growth, and then we can eliminate the word self-sabotage, which I'm sad about because I've literally used like 4,000 times this last week. <laughs> I, I like, I don't think I've, I've used it very much at all. And then this last week, I bet you have brought it up in almost every conversation. <laughs> and then Tanya tells me she hates it. <laughs> I, it's, uh, I, I just feel like it's, it perpetuates the, the guilt shame spiral that I feel doesn't really, uh, so you, I have guilt you use it all you want. I just, I try, I just feel like it, it, uh, it doesn't represent what it means as well. It perpetuates sabotaging. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, I feel like it, it just makes you, I don't know, like a, yeah. it, just, it really defaults into that. Like I'm such a it's horrible contracting person. instead yeah. of expanding. Yeah. And so yeah. looking at it as an opportunity to expand or to grow in this moment is probably going to serve your brain and your heart. I will stop using it. I have, I have like a, a like kind of a closing thought. It's just, a, and it's just a, uh, something to think about but if i if i you know held a newborn baby up to you and i said okay on a scale of one to a hundred what is this baby's value oh, right you'd, you'd say 100 for the heart right <laughs> and and if that baby cries what's the baby's value mm. if that baby don't won't sleep and amen preach because i've been there for a year and a half What's that baby's value? So why does your value change when your behavior changes? Mm-hmm. Very per- good one. Perceivably. So it's something to just examine also in yourself is, is going, and that's, that's really why I come back to not loving self-sabotage is because we give that title and then we can decrease our value. And I think that anything where we are perpetually looking for a way to decrease our value is and, and we do it all the time right we like look for qualities in ourselves that we don't like and then we let it lower our value and i think ultimately if we are wanting to live in alignment with our goals we have to understand appreciate and recognize our value which is always 100 mm-hmm. always i love that that is a beautiful double quote. quotables today i wrote that one, one fire you guys <laughs> you are you are just kidding my value is super high today because i'm performing <laughs> just kidding okay sorry jokes bad jokes okay (laughs) is there anything else we want to like kind of leave off on 
I feel good on that one. I feel like it ended on um, a, a great... And the book, um, How to Do the Work, Dr... Nicole LaPera. Nicole Can we yeah. just talk about who she is for a second for anybody that hasn't read the book? So yeah. she is called The Holistic Psychologist on Instagram. If you have ever come across her, you've likely seen a quote. The tribe of self-healers. Yep. And she was a psychologist that was effing miserable. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? In all of many areas of her life and so then she got into more the holistic side and i think it's a i just think it's a really cool story for people that um it's an amazing example of it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have in the world it's if you're not embodying the wisdom of what you know if you aren't turning it in yeah 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 Well, and she also talks about how in her studies that it was very separate, the mind from the body. And that was really when she integrated it was understanding that this, there is more than the mind going on here. There's, um, you know, body memory, the subconscious. That's what I think is the difference between knowledge and wisdom is that we think that integration and intellectual. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. We appreciate you listening. If you would be willing to subscribe or share this podcast, that it would be amazing and we appreciate it. Um, if you have Apple and you want to leave us a review, that would be also awesome. Um, we welcome emails, inputs, comments. As you can see, we get very excited about them. So email us, spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at the Spiritual Boss Podcast. Peace in. Peace out.